Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. cool spot here, huh? What can I tell you about here? I'll tell you this. Um, if you Google up the Squamish Valley, even the Squamish River, and travel the river, I don't know, 20, 30 kilometers, or whatever you want, it doesn't matter. From, from the point this river hits the ocean to the headwaters, even past, go and Google Earth, wherever you want to go, and look straight west along this river and see what you see. Okay. It's basically nothing. It's absolute the nastiest mountains. These coastal mountains, impenetrable. You'll never do it with horses. Helicopters for sure, on foot. Yep, take a while, but it's it's pretty rugged frickin' country. And all these inlets, these work away up and south and east. Like there's a lot of inlets that dump into the Fraser River, uh, north of Vancouver. The Pitt, Stave, Harris, Harrison. Um, you go this way, before I get back to this way, what I'm seeing is all the head of all those drains. They all have um, absolute numerous reports of different people unrelated having encounters with these Sasquatch beings, and that's all there is to it. All right? I'm saying it out loud because it's true. There's nothing you can do or say to stop it or twist it around. There's nothing. It's just the facts. It's just the way it is. And... Uh, there's not too many people that dive into these mountains all by themselves with a tent and pack of matches and a knife and make a campfire and go out to meet these things or uh, allow an experience to happen for themselves. Why? Because the majority of humans are scared shitless. That's why. Now, if you go up here and go straight west, you've got not too far away, Jervis Inlet, Toba Inlet. Toba Inlet is the head of Toba Inlet is where that man, I believe his name was Albert Osman, was taken by one of these things. And he spent a handful of days with them in one of their little secret places of existence. And he managed to escape. And that was a well-documented experience, um, investigated and reported way back back in the day. I don't know the, the date off my hand, but that's that happened just over there. Now, uh, 
friend of mine, contractor, actor, superintendent, large, large commercial job sites. He was talking to a couple of guys here from Squamish, trades guys, who, if you go up this valley farther up, splits off. And there's an opening up there. It widens out. Things an old logging camp or something. And they had a bait pile going there to hunt predators off. See, so, you know, like coyotes and uh, coyotes and uh, wolves. There's a lot of wolves here. And they had three different trail cameras on that bait site, wide open, all snow. And they had a beef calf in there. I forget how, I, 400 pounds, somewhere around there. Like a significant size of beef calf dropped off. You know, obviously from the box of the pickup truck. And that beef went missing. Something took it. And there wasn't any tracks. And the trail cameras didn't pick up anything. And all they added into was, I didn't meet these guys. Um, but the word... The closing words for people that are in the know is flat out, strange things happen up the Squamish Valley, which is right where I'm standing. And then uh, another handful of years ago, I was working with some of the local First Nations, chief of the local band here, and we were talking about getting uh, the community um, educated, a little more educated on successful trapping and managing of wolves when they blow out of control. And we we're going to start, he got me to start a bait pile for them just up here, just up here, another handful of kilometers on the right. I think I told this story. And we had this hog, domestic hog. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. Probably 600 pounds, I'm guessing. It was in the box. It was the size of a huge, big grizzly bear. And uh, down to natural causes. And we put this thing in the box of my truck at the forklift. And I got it out over a bank. Dumped it down the bank to start the bait pop for the First Nations trappers. And there is literally, I put a tow rope, tow strap, half hitched around his back legs. And I went out to a tree which the bank straight down like this in trees like that. I put the tow strap around, hooked it onto the ball, hitched my pickup truck, and drove the truck away. And it pulled the hog out and went down the bank. Uh, a friend of mine went up and checked on it a couple weeks later, and it was gone. Gone. It was well after all the bears had gone to sleep. Even if it was a bear, it was thick enough there, it would have buried it right there, dragged it down a little bit. There would have been uh, ravens, birds of prey, scavenger birds all over the place, as usual with any kill site. There would have been droppings from birds all over the ground, um, scraps of meat from other predators, all sizes of predators feeding on it, which there wasn't. There wasn't anything available there to show any sign that there was ever a carcass there, ever. And it was gone. And the only way you would have been able to retrieve that as being a human being would be if you brought a boom truck over with a boom and lowered the cable down and hoisted it up or put a winch cable on it and winch in the box of the truck, but there was zero sign of any humans pulling that dragon up the bank. It was just taken and it was gone. And then, by absolute coincidence, another fellow I know was mountain biking up there, and he posted a picture of the skull of a hog on the trail, way up there, surprisingly, and made a post about it on Instagram, and I saw it, and I messaged him, like, where did you find that? Tell him, I don't want to know exactly i don't want any hunting spots or anything just where did you find that and he told me where he found it and i measured it and it was over a mile away from where the carcass had been uh positioned for the first nations trappers how crazy is that there isn't a predator alive that's going to pack the skull and the head of a hog they don't pack things they don't pack a lunch they don't bring food with them extra food to feed themselves with as they travel they just don't they eat it in in place and they carry on. The next time they travel through the area, they'll come back and they'll feed off that carcass again. So, uh, 
But anyways, I decided to make those couple of interesting mentions to you guys for the curious. Strange things happen right here. That's all there is to it. Now, this wind's blowing. I hope it's not blowing on the mic too bad, but I'm going to share a couple emails while I'm taking my little break from running around here in paradise with a fishing rod in my hand, which is basically all I need at times to put a smile on my face. What do we got? There's so many. There's so many. Man, there's so many. Where to start? I don't want to miss anybody. I'm starting to number them. There's a there's 180 of them just for the month of February so far. I put in my notes, and that's not copying all of them from my inbox. So, where are we? What do we got here? Hi, Steve. I sent this email back in December, and I forgot to tell you it's okay to use my name if you read it. I hope the paragraph's not too big and it's easy to read on your phone. Thanks again. All right. Dear Steve, thank you for offering a way for people to share information concerning a topic which needs attention. I never thought I had a Sasquatch experience until I stumbled onto your channel. I had some weird things happen to me while in the woods, and I think they are similar to some of the other people's experiences you've shared. A little about myself. I'm in my mid-40s, and I live in Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, between the Blue Ridge Mountains. I've hunted and fished since an early age and still try to get outside as much as I can. I had four separate experiences about 20 to 25 years ago on the same property, which is roughly 200 acres in size, which may be Sasquatch-related. The first experience happened near dark in the early fall while I was bow hunting for deer. I was sitting on my tree stand looking at the mountain when I saw something large and dark in color moving down a very steep part of the mountain at a high rate of speed. It was roughly two and a half times the size of most deer I saw in the area. I've never seen anything move so fast in the woods like that thing did. It moved in the direction I had to get It moved in the direction I had to go to get to my vehicle. That sucks. I didn't have a flashlight and only had my bow for protection. At the time, I thought it had to be a bear, right? I know how you felt when you described your first experience in your long walk back to your truck. I inched along, scared to death, listening for anything approaching. I finally made it back to my vehicle, and I have never hunted the bow since that day. I also gave up black powder rifle because I want more than one shot. It didn't keep me out of the woods. I merely changed my choice of weapon and only carry a gun capable of holding more than one cartridge. My second experience happened about 200 yards away from the first while deer hunting again. I had a rifle this time and had hiked most of the way up the mountain. I stopped at a spot and sat on the ground where I had a great visibility looking down below me and I sat and watched for maybe 45 minutes. As I stood to continue my hike up the mountain, I heard a loud noise 30 feet behind me. It was the sound of something large running up the mountain behind me. As I tried to make sense of what was happening, I felt confused, like my mind was missing something almost like you're punch drunk. I continued to hear something running up the mountain through the mountain laurel, but I couldn't see anything. Whatever was making that much noise should have been visible to me. I kept waiting to hear a deer blow, but I never heard another sound. I went and looked behind me where the noise originated, and I could clearly see where something had flattened the leaves where it sat watching me. It gave me the creeps to know something large was watching me from behind and never made a sound until I got up to move. My third experience happened the spring around spring gobbler season. I was driving up the, up the tree-cut road to the spot where I would shoot my rifles. I would go to shoot up here weekly and had my Labrador Retriever with me. She always enjoyed the trips up to the mountain, and she would be so excited that she could barely stay in the truck. I would leave the window down, and she would have her head out the window, anxious to get out. Most of the time, she would jump over me to get out of the truck because she loved it so much. This day was different. 
As we approached the area where I would set up my portable shooting bench, I heard a loud noise up the mountain. I had the radio on, so I couldn't quite make out the sound. I turned the radio down and stopped the truck. This time I heard a roar unlike anything I had ever heard. No human being could make a sound that loud. The roar was 150 yards up the mountain in the next hollow, pronounced holler for the non-southerners, and sounded like it was angled away from me and slightly uphill. I remember thinking, what the up was that? I sat and listened for 30 seconds to a minute and then opened the door of my truck to get out. I looked over at my dog and she was shaking uncontrollably and did not move from the truck seat. I called to her and she didn't pay attention to me. I grabbed her and tried to pull her out of the truck. She fought me with all she had to stay in the truck. I finally wrestled her out and when she was on the ground she kept shaking and stumbling like a drunk would do. My mind was still trying to process what the hell was going on. I started to walk up the road in the direction of the sound. All of a sudden, this feeling of fear and dread came over me. It made me sick to my stomach. I remember thinking, I'm not afraid. Why do I feel afraid? I looked back at my dog and thought, I'm scared because she's scared? The only thing which scared her were thunderstorms, and I thought to myself, I don't get scared when she gets scared during a storm. I had a moment of clarity, and I looked up the road, and I said in my mind, whatever the F is over there, you stay on your side, and I'll stay on mine. I have a truck of full of loaded guns and I'm going to shoot them. In a few seconds the feeling of dread left me and I noticed my dog snapped out of it too. We spent a couple of hours shooting but I never went over to where I heard the sound originate. My fourth experience happened in the early fall before deer season. My wife and I and the lab mentioned in the previous experience were up the mountain next to the hunting cabin and quarter acre pond. The area around the pond and cabin started to get overgrown with white pines and started to make visibility around it difficult. Plus, there was an old logging road across the dam, and the pines on it would not allow me to drive my truck across it anymore, so I was cutting some of them down to open it up. As we finished, we became aware that something was making a growling sound and pacing back and forth just out of eyesight in the pines. It was probably 40 yards away. This time, the dog was growling, teeth showing, hair standing on end. I also got the feeling of all the hair on my body standing up. My wife was afraid, too. The strange part for me was the heavy footsteps and the breaking of large branches. It kept pacing back and forth like I would expect a human being to do, protecting some imaginary line. It was so odd. What does that? My wife and I decided we need to leave now, so we grabbed everything and got in the truck and left. We talked about it later and she thought it was weird, but we were not sure what to make of it. I continued to hunt in the property, but never had anything like those experiences happen again. I had another weird thing which may be Sasquatch related happen on a different property, but I don't want to take any more of your time. God bless you, Steve. May Mr. Macaroni rest in peace. Your friend, Brian Armel. Right on. Thanks, Brian. Oh, my God. My freaking eyes are watering from facing the sun. I'm getting a reflection up in the water, too, in the snow. But, uh, Brian, thanks for those kind words about my horse. Appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody out there who, who sends me kind words. And, uh, I spent some time in West Virginia, actually. I spent some time... Actually, you know what? You guys, a lot of people think that I possibly spend... I spend more time in the in the woods and the remote areas than I don't. And uh, But the reality is I've spent a lot of time in a lot of big cities, a lot of time in the United States. I've met a lot of people that you people know through the celebrity, the celebrity uh, subculture. I'm not big on celebrities, and I'm not big on selfies, and I'm not big on name dropping. I'm not big on any human being being treated any different than another human being. So, 
but I have met a lot of people and done a lot of things. You guys have had a lot of experiences. I think that's probably because, well, everybody was busy doing what everybody does, get married, um, get a career, get married, get a mortgage, get in debt, and make babies. I was out um, tramping around the planet doing all sorts of crazy shit nonstop. So I do have a lot of experience in the world. I have seen a lot. And uh, I'll, maybe I'll share some of those experiences later. But I'm just not big on doing the the name dropping and the celebrity connections and all that other horse shit. I'm all about every single one of you. I'm about the people. And listening to experiences being shared, shared like Brian just shared with all of us through this channel. And uh, I appreciate you, Brian. I appreciate what you sent. And again, you know, your story as well as hundreds of others. It just makes me even that much more curious, frustrated in a way of wanting to know what the hell the dogs know. Man, I wish I knew what the dogs knew. The dogs could only tell us. You know, dogs dogs know what a true kind soul is when it comes to strange human beings. They just, excuse me, they just do. Now, 100% across the board, dogs react with absolute terror when it comes to these beings. Why is that? Does anybody out there know why? Would anybody out there have a real good guess at why? Because I want to know. I want to know really bad. Very, very curious to that. But anyway, Brian, I think you're reacting in the correct way. Something's threatening you and you don't know what it is and it possibly outclasses you and is very threatening to you but it hasn't attacked you yet. It's given you a fair chance to get out of there before having a toe-to-toe, -to -toe, right? And um, it might be, obviously, I think it is appropriate thing to do is to pack up and leave. Unless you have it in you that you think that you want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe one of these beings and call them on their bluff. I don't know. Who knows? But you know, another thing, too, about when you talk about the traits of these beings is if you use the traits of human beings' reactions to different scenarios, almost every aggressive human being is scared right? Your average bully who's, who goes out of his way to intimidate somebody and bully them, they're scared. They're scared of that happening to them. They're scared of being beat up themselves. They're scared of being attacked or manipulated or dominated. So I think that these beings are more scared of us than I previously thought. Otherwise, why would they do that? Why would they waste their time trying to intimidate us from the safety behind trees and bushes, mostly? Although do many times, many times these things do come out in the open and blatantly stare people down and really intimidate them. That's not really much of a showing of being scared of us, is it? But like I said previous, 100% for certain, one of the things I can say with absolute confidence is that these beings do not like guns. They've made it very clear by the way, the way they react to them. They've shaken their head at people pointing the gun at them. They've ducked behind trees when the person brings a firearm up. They are telling us that guns will mess them up. All right? So, I'm not saying go out there and shoot one. I am still 100% absolutely convinced if you went out of your way to pick a fight with one of these beings, um, especially when you're a long ways away from any vehicle or security of more people like I am right now, you're going to lose. I'm absolutely convinced without a doubt you will lose fiercely if you go out of your way to harm one of these beings unprovoked. I could imagine, 
I can imagine teeing off. I mean, I can I can somewhat relate to the feeling of what it must be like to tee off like way back years ago, the first time I was ever <clears throat> guiding grizzly bears. And you see a great big massive grizzly bear over there and you are you are going over there intentionally to peck a fight with it to the death. <laughs> Though, you know, when I first did the first couple few times, the feeling was, there was no feeling like it, you know, as opposed to feelings when you're calling in a buck or calling in a huge 1800 pound moose or a bull elk or what have you and you're going out there to, to harvest it um, those are exciting times that gets the natural the human being I guess your adrenaline the natural predator the natural human hunter-gatherer that gets your adrenaline and your senses on fire when you're so focused and it's very primal it's very natural when you're going to go to go get that job done but the feeling that you get when you're going to go pick a fight to the death with a massive grizzly bear it's something else. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like that feeling that I'm aware of. I guess I can imagine if you were one of those old school natives that went out in a canoe to pick a fight with a whale, that might be right up there too, right? <laughs> what a bunch of crazy bastards. They must have been back in the day when they saw the whales out there from shore and decided to go out there and kill one with a canoe. <laughs> but anyway, I can't imagine, you know, I, I can still vividly see the silhouette of that thing looking at me from 10, 15 yards away. And after the experiences I've had with large grizzly bears, when you're about to pull that trigger, the feeling that you have in your body, I think it would be something else to be lined up in one of these beings and you're trying to tell your finger to pull the trigger, not knowing what you're about to start. That's the key problem there, is not knowing what you're about to start. You're either about to start the last experience you will ever have on the face of the planet, or you're about to start one of the most insane experiences for mankind to witness ever. <laughs> if you can share that publicly. But either way, I don't think it's worth it. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it at all. I think it'd be bring you nothing but bad luck if you teed off one of these things and killed it dead. Anyway, let me share one more here. And then I'm going to go get that, go stalk another steelhead pool here and see if there's any fish in here. I haven't a clue if there is. I'm not in the, I'm not, I don't keep myself in the angling loop. I barely keep myself in the hunting loop when it comes to my own angling or hunting because I like it private. I like, I like to be one-on-one, -on -one, me in the spots, learn myself, figure it out myself, and uh, enjoy it. Alright, what do we got? Steve, I'm writing you to ease my mind. I am, well, was a trapper with a line up on the northwest coast of Vancouver Island. I spent a lot of time on the line and never felt or seen anything until I brought my friend with me. The trip up was to hang new martin boxes and do some fishing on the river for steelhead. The first night was uneventful. The morning brought some sunshine and calm waters. We hung new boxes, set up a cable crossing on a washout of a trail along with some great fishing. My friend was so excited as the fishing was hot. That evening we ate dinner and shot the rifle some. Then to the tent for the night. The tent was a four-season, four-person tent with me, my buddy, and my three-year-old shepherd. The morning was foggy, and light was just starting. I woke, my I woke to my shepherd, standing over me, letting out a low, quiet growl. Well, that's not good. There was a dark, tall shadow standing just outside the screen. I reached quietly to my right side. I felt my shotgun and my air horn. I swung around and blasted the air horn full on. Well, the dog went nuts. 
the being walked away and my buddy woke to this and was wondering what the hell is going on. No doubt. I said to myself that it must have been a bear. So that's what I told him so we could go back to sleep. The, the image of that shadow, tall figure, was in my head all that day. My buddy and I didn't talk much that day. We just fished. But the atmosphere had changed somehow. Bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. My friend never saw the bear that walked away on two legs while our tent was going nuts with the dog. We returned to our camp about 3.30. Then asked me if we could pack up and leave. I said no, as it would get us to Was Vegas. I meant Was Vegas. For all you folks that aren't familiar, Was is a small town way up the north end of Vancouver Island. So that's the first time I heard of it really uh, related to is Was Vegas. Anyways, I said no as it would get us to Was Vegas at midnight. His truck was in Courtney and he was saying, we can get a hotel and watch a movie. I laughed and say, we have a two hour boat ride and a lot of gravel road to drive pulling the boat so we could leave in the morning. He went quiet, walked over to our food tote and poured tuna juice all around our campsite, then looked at me and said, now we have to leave. I watched in amazement as he did this. I said, well, I guess so. This is the beginning of my encounters with these beings. I ended up selling my trap line after two more encounters that shook me to the core. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Just writing this brings it all back. I'll probably share the other two encounters when I feel I can. All right, man. Gary, thank you very much for going out of your way to share that. Uh with me and all the people here appreciate that and uh if you want you know i definitely want to hear your other experiences myself and so do basically everybody else's from Vancouver around who's watching this channel as well and uh as you probably know i'm a licensed trapper as well i don't own a trap line i i've trapped I, the only reason i got a trap license for myself was to uh so i can make a difference where the wolves were blown out of control due to human activity I wouldn't even get to that topic. But anyway, that's why I had a, a uh, trapping license. So I would be curious if you want to email me back and send me your trap line number so I could have a look at that area on the map. I'd be curious to look at it. And I won't share it with anybody publicly if you don't want me to either. I understand if you were hunting there or, quote, steelhead fishing there too. You know how we all like to keep our areas secret. But uh, if you want to share, share your other encounters, please do. And many of us want to hear about it here but anyway I'm going to go up I want to go up and have a look at that run behind me and there's a few more holes down below me I want to hit and then I might hike back out to the truck see what kind of tracks from the sand up here I'm always interested in seeing if there's elk running around or if a big boar grizzly bear has gone up and went for a winter cruise around here which they, they do quite often believe it or not hopefully I don't run into one right now because he's probably be a little hungry but uh there's, I just want to point out one more thing to everybody while I've got you here and I'm boring you to death is um, you know it's funny when I first came out and I had that attitude which I still do um, but I really had that attitude of, towards all of the so called big names in the Sasquatch Bigfoot community um, was to show them absolute minimal respect because nobody is an expert when it comes to this topic but what I'm getting at is I have thoroughly enjoyed taking the taking the focus from and the power from the power of control of the narrative from 
basically all of the previous big names in the Sasquatch Bigfoot community and giving it back to all of you. I have absolutely thoroughly enjoyed that and that was one of my main intentions as well. And if you haven't noticed, things happen when the people get to speak. Things happen. Things don't happen when you give the narrative and, and the power and the control to either one or two or three people, individuals, or a group. That annihilates it for the people. Next thing you know, your voice never gets heard. Truths get manipulated. Truths get withheld and covered up. Right? Now, look at if you... You have to take a look at the numbers on this channel. And it's your channel. This, this channel isn't my channel anymore. It's all yours. There's a... Now we're creeping up on 4 million video views a month on average and climbing on this channel. And everybody's come here on their own. And 100% of every single person who emails in an encounter gets it read word for word. And it doesn't matter what the topic was, the details were, who you are, how old you are, whatever. You count. Everybody counts here. And what I would like to point out, if you haven't picked up on what I'm putting down is... Have you noticed how much of a difference that makes when you give the power to the people? Have you? When you Have you seen the difference it makes for all of you, and especially all of you people who have had these encounters, are you noticing the difference it's making when you give the absolute attention and the word to the people and take it away from two or three individuals? It's substantial, isn't it? Are you seeing that yet? I think that's pretty frickin' cool and pretty exciting. And... Uh, and it all comes from being confident, being brave, and realizing that you count just as much as anybody else, no matter what, right? And I think that's pretty cool.